welcome my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to another segment of Verse of the Day. And today's verse comes from James 1, 22-25. It says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets <coughs> what he looks like. Looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom continues in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We deceive ourselves if we think that being exposed to Bible teaching and Christian ministry <coughs> is enough to keep us in a high in a right relationship with God. We can be involved in all kinds of church activity and ministry and know a lot about God's <coughs> word. All of our activity and knowledge is meaningless. We must develop a godly character and a lifestyle based upon our companionship with Christ in order to truly please God, fulfill His purposes for our lives, and receive ultimate spiritual salvation. Now we come to the verses where James uses the analogy of a mirror. In fact, verses 23 and 24 say this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Hearing and reading God's word is like looking at a mirror that reflects and reveals what is true in our lives. It shows us the way we are and allows us to see what we need to change. This knowledge we can choose to respond either with honesty, by making a change for the better, or with hypocrisy by refusing to change and pretending everything is alright. The right response is to ask and allow God to help us to conform to the standard of His Word by putting it into practice. This passage also illustrates how absurd it is for a person to receive God's Word but not put it into practice. The notion of a person forgetting what he or she looks like would be unrealistic, even ridiculous. Yet that is what happens in a spiritual sense when we are exposed to God's word and go our own way. Without responding to it, <coughs> responding to what it revealed about our lives, the fact is that we truly learn and retain things only as we put them into practice. If we fail to act upon or use what we know about God's word, we will not retain it, and it will not become part of who we are. Basically, we will forget what the word has shown us, and it will do us no good. Good practice any time a reader hears something from the Bible is to ask ourselves, what difference should this make in my life, and what should I do now that God has shown this to me? Then we should ask God to help us apply his word, and immediately look for ways we can put it into practice. Today's passage ends with these words, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That's verse 25. The moral and ethical teachings of Christianity, which are based on God's Old Testament laws embodied in the Ten Commandments, as, as embodied in the Ten Commandments, are brought to complete fulfillment and per- perfection by Jesus Christ. Those who receive and follow Christ now have His law internalized in their hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Apart from Him, we could not live up to God's standards. Yet through faith in Christ, we receive mercy and forgiveness.
for our shortcomings, as well as the desire of power and freedom to obey God's moral law. It is called the law that gives freedom, because followers of Christ are set free from sin, which is their own God-defying ways, and receive the desire and ability to, to fulfill God's desires and purposes for their lives. Christ the followers can say with the psalm writer, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. In Psalm 1945, Christian Christ's freedom must never be viewed as the liberty to violate Christ's commands. I mean, Christian freedom must never be viewed as the liberty to violate Christ's commands. Rather, it is the power to obey them. In today's Bible readings are Leviticus 1 through 3, Mark 1 29 through 12, Psalm 35 17 through 28, and Proverbs 9 13 through 18. is what is known as a motivational theory. And it, can, and it can 
originally a five-tier model of human needs that is often depicted as hierarchical levels within a pyramid. From the bottom of the hierarchy upward, the needs are physiological, which is food and clothing, safety, love and belonging needs, esteem, and self-actualization. The needs lower down in the hierarchy must be satisfied before individuals can attend to needs higher up. This five-stage model that we're talking about can be divided into deficiency needs and growth needs. So the first four levels are also referred to as deficiency needs or D needs, and the top level is known as the growth or B needs or B needs. Deficiency needs arise due to deprivation and are said to motivate people when they are unmet. <coughs> so the motivation to fulfill such needs will become stronger the longer they are denied. So for example, the longer a person goes without food, the more hungry they will become. Maslow initially stated that individuals must satisfy lower level deficiency, deficiency needs before progressing on to meet higher level growth needs. However, he later clarified the satisfaction of a need is not an all or none phenomenon. Admitting that his earlier statements may have given rise, may have given the false impression that a need must be satisfied 100% before the next need emerges. When a deficiency need or deficient need has been more or less satisfied, it will go away and our activities become habitually directed towards of the next set of needs we have yet to satisfy. These then become our salient needs. However, growth needs continue to be felt and may even become stronger once they have been engaged. Growth needs, however, do not stem from a lack of something, but rather from a desire to grow as a person. Once these growth needs have been reasonably satisfied, one may be able to reach the highest level called self-actualization. Every person is capable and has the desire to move the hierarchy toward a level of self-actualization. Unfortunately, progress is often disrupted by a failure to meet lower-level needs. Life experiences may cause an individual to fluctuate between levels of the hierarchy. Therefore, not everyone will move to the hierarchy in a unidirectional manner, but may move back and forth between the different types of needs. Maslow stated that people are motivated to achieve certain needs and that some needs take precedence over others. Our most basic need is for physical survival and this will be the first thing that motivates our behavior. Once that level is fulfilled, the next level up is what motivates us and so on and so on. So when we talk about that room, there are five stages originally of needs that must be achieved. So the first one is the physiological needs. So these are biological requirements for human survival. So for example, air, food, drink, shelter, clothing, warmth, sex, and sleep. If these, are not, if these needs are not satisfied, the human body cannot function optimally. Maslow considered physiological needs the most important as all the other needs became secondary until these needs are met. So that's the first, that's the very bottom of the pyramid. Next up is safety needs. That's the second tier of the pyramid. Safety needs. Once an individual's physiological needs are satisfied, the needs for security and safety become more salient. People want to experience order, protection.
protect the building and control in these lives. These things can be fulfilled by the family or by society, which would be either be police, schools, businesses, and medical care. So that's the second tier of the pyramid. The third tier of the pyramid is loving and belonging as needs. So the physiological and safety needs have been fulfilled. The third level of human needs is social. It involves feelings of belongingness. Belongingness refers to a human emotional need for interpersonal relationships, affiliating connectedness, and being part of a group. So that's that third tier of the pyramid. The fourth tier of the pyramid are esteem needs. So they're the fourth level of Maslow's hierarchy and include self worth, accomplishment, and respect. So Maslow. Maslow classified esteem needs into two categories. Number one, esteem for oneself, which is dignity, achievement, mastery, and independence. And the desire for reputation or respect from others, which would be status or prestige. Maslow indicated the need for respect or reputation is most important for children and adolescents and precedes real self-esteem or dignity. In the very top of the pyramid in the original five-stage version is self-actualization needs, which is the highest level of Maslow's hierarchy. <coughs> and we refer to the realization of a person's potential self-fulfillment, seeking personal growth and peak experiences. Maslow describes this level as the desire to accomplish everything that can that one can to become the most that one can be. So Maslow had this to say about his entire theory, but this is it is quite true that man lives by bread alone. When there is no bread, but what happens to man's desires when there's plenty of bread and when his belly is chronically filled? At once, other and higher needs emerge, and these, rather than physiological hungers, dominate the organism. And when these, in turn, are satisfied, again, new and still higher needs emerge, and so on. This is what we mean by saying the basic human needs are organized into a hierarchy of relative prepotency. <coughs> So the model we've just been talking about is Maslow's original five-stage model. This model has been expanded to include cognitive and aesthetic needs, and later transcendence needs, which means that the new and improved hierarchy of needs actually has eight stages rather than five. So again, the first one is still biological and physiological needs. That would be air, food, drink, shelter, warmth, sex, and sleep. The next tier up from the bottom is safety needs, which are still protection from elements, security, order, law, stability, and freedom from fear. That third tier up from the bottom is loving and belonging to needs still. You've got that's friendship, intimacy, trust, and acceptance, receiving, giving affection and love, and affiliating, which is part of, which is becoming part of a group. So the fourth tier up from the bottom is still esteem needs. That's esteem for oneself, that would be dignity, achievement, mastery, and independence. And the need to be accepted and valued by others, that would be status or prestige. Now, the next two is where it changes. So rather than having 
self-actualization at the top, you know, come to the fifth tier being cognitive needs. <laughs> that would be knowledge, understanding, curiosity, exploration, the need for meaning and predictability. So the next stage up from that is aesthetic needs. So that's appreciation and search for beauty, balance, and form. So the seventh stage in this eight-stage model is self-actualization needs. So that's realizing personal potential, self-fulfillment, seeking personal growth, and peak experiences. Or a desire to become everything one is capable of becoming. And so with this model, the top of the pyramid is transcendency needs. So with these, a person is motivated by value which transcend beyond the personal self. So that would be mystical experiences and certain experiences of the nature. Aesthetic experiences, sexual experiences, service to others, the pursuit of science and religious faith. So instead of focusing on psychopathology and what goes wrong with people, right, which is what psychology usually wants to talk about, Maslow formulated a more positive account of human behavior, which focused on what goes right. He was interested in human potential, and how we fulfill that potential. So, Maslow stated that human motivation is based on people seeking fulfillment and change through personal growth. Self-actualized people are those who were fulfilled, are those who are fulfilled and doing all they are capable of. Growth of self-actualization refers to the need for personal growth and discovery that is present throughout a person's life. From Maslow, a person is always becoming and never remains static in these terms. Self-actualization, a person comes to find a meaning to life that is important to them. As each individual is unique, the motivation for self-actualization leads people in different directions. So Maslow believes self-actualization could be measured through the concept of peak experiences. This occurs when a person experiences the world totally for what it is, and there are feelings of euphoria, joy, and wonder. It is important to note that self-actualization is a continual process of becoming, rather than a perfect state. Excuse me, perfect state one, which is of a happy ever after. So, Maslow offers the following description of self-actualization. It refers to the person's desire for self-fulfillment, namely to the tendency for him to become actualized in what he is potentially. The specific form that these needs will take will, of course, vary greatly from person to person. In one individual, it may take the form of the desire to be an ideal mother. In another, it may be expressed athletically, and in still another, it may be expressed in painting pictures or in inventions. Maslow estimated that only 2% of people would achieve the state of self-actualization. He was, express, he was especially interested in the characteristics of people whom he considered to have achieved their potential as individuals. By studying 18 people he considered to be self-actualized, including Abraham Lincoln and Albert Einstein, Maslow identified 15 characteristics of a self-actualized person. Those characteristics Characteristics are number one, they perceive reality efficiently and can tolerate uncertainty. They accept themselves and others for what they are. They are spontaneous in thought and action, problem-centered and not self-centered. They have an unusual sense of humor. 
have the ability to look at life objectively. They are highly creative. They are resistant to cultural, in cultural, in but not purposefully unconventional. <coughs> Concerned for the wealth of humanity, capable of deep appreciation of basic life experiences, establish a deep, satisfying interpersonal relationship with a few people, have big experiences, have a need for privacy. They have democratic attitudes and they have a strong morals or ethical standards. So these are the characteristics of self-actualization and what behaviors lead to self-actualization. So there are seven of them. So they ex- experience sling life like a child with full absorption and concentration. Trying new things instead of sticking to safe paths. Listening to your own feelings and evaluating experiences instead of the voice of tradition, authority, or the majority. Avoiding pretense or game playing and being honest. Being prepared to be unpopular if your views do not coincide with those of the majority. Taking responsibility and working hard. Trying to identify your defenses and having the courage to give them up. So although achieve self-actualization in their own unique way, they tend to share certain characteristics and behaviors which are what was listed above. However, self-actualization is a matter of degree. There are no perfect human beings. It is not necessary to display all 15 characteristics to become self-actualized, and not only self-actualized people display them. Maslow did not equate self-actualization with perfection. Self-actualization actually involves achieving one's potential. Thus, someone can be silly, wasteful, vain, and impolite, and still self-actualize. Remember that less than 2% of the population will actually achieve self-actualization. So now that we know why people flock to Jesus, let's turn our attention to whom in this passage was self-actualized. So the disciples certainly were because they brought to Jesus, they brought Jesus to Peter, his mother-in-law, the man referred to in the text as Simon. But there was one other group of people today, group of people in today's passage, who were self-actualized. And to see who they were, we need to look at Mark 2, 1-12, which says a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such a large number, gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by, paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an open on the roof above Jesus, by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers, teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit. This is what they were thinking in their hearts and said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, 
We have never seen anything like this. The men in this passage clearly had their deficiency needs fulfilled by Jesus of the day, otherwise they would not have gone through such great lengths <coughs> to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. But this is not the only important thing here, because the paralyzed man was clearly looking to have his deed needs fulfilled. Because when Jesus saw the faith of not only the man who brought their not only the man who brought their friend to him, but of the man himself, he said these words, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's Mark 2 5. You see, the only way to truly have your deed needs fulfilled is to bring them to Jesus. Because Jesus himself said these words. <coughs> Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew 11, 28-30. In tomorrow's Bible readings are Leviticus 4-5, Mark 2, 13-16.